Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and they are not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of the chart to show 
that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being. That is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai and showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name 
given among men, whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Frank DeMassey from our Syracuse class, and we'll have a scripture read, which will be Isaiah, the 61st chapter, and that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Good afternoon and good evening. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Okay, can we all bow our hearts and minds? Let's get all the thoughts of the flesh out of our heads and let's get in that special closet where we, we can communicate with our Heavenly Father. Dear Father, thank you for allowing one more opportunity to stand before and testify this glorious gospel. Please allow each and every one of us to realize the grace that's been bestowed upon us. And allow us to recognize and see how our natures have changed and our love and our hearts have changed from how we were before we came into this class. And allow us the wisdom to recognize and know that it's only you, Yahshua, that deserves the credit. Allow us courage and strength in these end times, knowing that we're prophetic seconds away from stepping into that next age and leaving all the burdens of the flesh behind us. Allow us to be long-suffering, love one another, and always love the truth. We ask this in your son's name. May we all say, hallelujah. 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 Good evening, class. Tonight, I'll be reading Isaiah, the 61st chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities in various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association in College Park, Maryland, Isaiah 61. The spirit of Yah Yahweh is upon me, because Yahweh hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. To proclaim Yahweh's year of release and the day of vengeance of our Elohim to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn to Zion and to give them beauty for ashes an oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planning of Yahweh, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the formal, former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of Yahweh. Men shall call you the ministers of our Elohim. 
ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and to their glory shall ye succeed. For your shame shall have, ye shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double, everlasting joy shall be upon them. For I, Yahweh, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the peoples. All that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed which Yahweh hath blessed. I will greatly rejoice in Yahweh. My soul shall be joyful in my Elohim, for he hath clothed me in the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself as a priest, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so Yah Yahweh will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Isaiah, the 61st chapter. Thank you, Dr. Geller and Dr. Damasi. Our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class and Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside class. We'll have a three-speaker format this afternoon, each speaker getting approximately 35 minutes. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class. And I'll help Dr. Volpe read while Bruce is on the floor. Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon and evening to everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, I really don't have a whole lot on my mind, but um, let's see. Um, Geez, you know, this is unusual because it's just unusual that I don't have something to say. <laughs> but uh, I can just give us a, a short testimony and just say that I really am happy to, to be a part of this teaching and to, to, to and, and glad that I know something for definite and for sure about my creator and about Yahshua the Messiah. And I, I often think about uh, the fact that before I ever entered one of these classes, I didn't realize really how ignorant I was about my creator. I mean, I knew absolutely nothing. And, um, Really, uh, to be quite honest, I didn't uh, uh, have a whole lot of uh, of interest in in God or in religion before I uh, came down to one of these classes. I was quite young when I even heard about this teaching, and um, I'm so glad that Yahweh saw fit to bring me in 
even though I was just uh, more interested in uh, riding my bicycle as a kid and doing all the the things that a young boy would do, uh, and never really gave God much of a thought, even though I um, was raised in the Jewish religion, I was just doing what I was told to do by my parents. They were trying to raise me right, and they they wanted to send me to a synagogue, and um, so I could learn something about the religion that I was being raised in. And yet I knew that I knew within myself that when I was in Hebrew school, I didn't really learn anything that meant anything to me. I mean, it didn't sink in. It didn't uh, improve my life. It didn't give me any enlightenment or any uh, true knowledge and understanding until uh, I believe I was 20 when I was first told about this teaching. And uh, that changed my whole life entering into one of these classes. It was a, a, a life altering change that took place because I could almost feel from the, from the very uh, inception of coming into class that there was something different about this teaching than there was about Judaism or any other ism that I saw out in the world. And just being able to, uh, to you know, like seeing the charts for the first time, I remember that. And I remember thinking, wow, this is, this is something. But when I heard people speak from the floor, it had an impact on me almost immediately. And I was glad because it gave me a lot of joy in my heart to hear these things. And I realized, whoa, this is, this is really something. And I've come to find out over the last 50 years or so that I've been in class that it really is something that we, uh, we've been, all of us, I think, would have this testimony that we've been taken out of real darkness and brought into the light. And, you know, it's a fight. It's a definite fight to the finish, as they say. But it, it's, it's an endeavor that's worth, it's worth it. Uh, you know, it has changed my whole value system it's changed everything about me. I, as Frank said in his prayer, which I really appreciated how our thoughts and our values and our intentions and our will. And if you think about it, just about everything else has undergone a great change. And that's due to the spirit of Yahshua the Messiah that has overtaken us. And uh, as I said, brought us into a, to a real knowledge and understanding, something that we can have confidence in, something that we can rely on. And even though there are times that get really tough and, and actually quite honestly, we're in them right now, 
uh, we need Yahweh and his uh, attributes more than ever because we're living in some very, very tough times right now. And we need uh, the kind of courage and the kind of love that comes from him and that is of him. And um, it's just one of these times when words are, are not coming. But um, maybe if I just call a scripture, it will stimulate me to go in a direction. If not, I'll just hand, I'll just pass the baton. But uh, I just realized that many of us have, all of us have some kind of an infirmity in one way or another. And we need Yahweh every second of every day. This is not a thing where we go to church once a week or synagogue once a week and then we're done with our obligations. This is a 24-7 operation has having our mind on Yahshua and having it stay there. Because um, when your mind is not on him and it's on yourself or something uh, of a carnal nature, it's it's tough. So we need to, you know, I just recently heard a lecture about uh, the Lord's Supper or about, uh, in fact, it was recently, I believe Carl talked about it, about when Yahshua said that they had, you know, you have to eat my, drink my blood and, and eat my flesh. That was, that was a tough one for them back there because they thought in their minds, they thought that uh, he was talking about eating his physical body and drinking his blood. I mean, even if we could do that, which we can't, that's not what we're after, right. folks. We're not after his body and blood as they are out in the world. They didn't misunderstood, truly misunderstood when he said that you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. They, they really did, some of them, think that he was talking about cannibalism. It was a hard saying, you know, to them. But that's not, not what we're after, folks. We're after that spirit, or as it says in Philippians, the second chapter, let this mind be in you, which was also in Yahshua, the Messiah. See, we're after that disposition, that, that, uh, that mind yeah. of Yahshua, you know, which is uh, a lot better than the minds that we all came in the, the room with. As a matter of fact, the founder told us in no uncertain terms that when we walked into the room, we were dead on arrival. And I think that for us, we that's easy to see for us. You know, looking back, we know we didn't know anything. We were dead inside. We didn't have the spirit of Yahshua in us. And that's, uh, that's missing a lot, folks, when you don't have that spirit of Yahshua in you. Because what you're left with is what this world has to offer, which as we ought to be able to see by now, regardless of how old we are, that this world has 
absolutely nothing to offer us. That's not what we're here for. We're here to gain that knowledge, that understanding, that enlightenment, that revelation that only comes from Yahweh and from Yahshua. That's what we're after. And I don't know where it is in the book, but it talks about, and I believe it's in First Corinthians or Colossians, somewhere where it says, who has the mind of Yahweh that we may instruct him? It said, but we have the mind of the Messiah. See, that's what we're after. And when Yahshua said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, he goes on to say that the spirit, uh, the spirit profiteth nothing. It's the words that I speak unto you that are spirit and that are life. So when you talk about life after death, uh, that's happening, folks, as we sit in the chairs and listen to this gospel. Because if we came in dead, the thing that's going to make us alive is to, is to really ingest the things of the spirit, the things of the Holy Spirit. And we didn't have any uh, idea that those, I didn't have any idea that those things were available, that, that, that we could even receive something like that. See, in the religion that I came from, things were so abstract. You know, you'd go to synagogue and you'd watch other people uh, moving their heads up and down, which was, they used to call that davening, which is a Hebrew word for praying. And boy, they sure read out of the Bible a lot, you know, and they prided themselves in their uh, ability to read the scripture. And even when I had my... Uh, bar mitzvah and confirmation i read from the bible and i never gave it a thought what it was out of the one of the prophets i don't know which one now it's been too long but i wasn't interested in, in really reading it and understanding what i was reading i was more interested in getting the damn thing over with already so i could open up my presents and stuff you know like a like a little mini Christmas, only the Jews don't celebrate Christmas, you know. But it really, it was almost meaningless to me. I was just going through the motions. Well, that's a little bit different, I would say. In fact, what a contrast between coming to a place where you can hear this gospel that we just read about, the good news in Isaiah, the 61st chapter, I didn't know that there was such a thing as good news. The good news is that you have an opportunity to have eternal life and have the spirit of Yahshua quicken you and make you alive and have real a real relationship with that spirit of Yahshua, which is living inside of which if so be that the spirit of Yahshua be in your heart and mind, that's what that's what we're laying hold on, folks. That's what we have. And uh, we don't have to go somewhere to talk to somebody that can tell us something about God. It's it's as it says in Acts, he's though he's not far from each and every one of us. 
folks. Those that have that spirit, you don't have to go anywhere because you're, you have him right inside of you and you can communicate with that spirit. I've been thinking a lot about that too, that that spirit of Yahshua is the only mediator between us and the father. There's no Mary that you can go to, the co-mediatrix. Boy, that's a lot. No, that's what she's referred to as the co-mediatrix. Um, you know, because they, they can't get away from the fact that it's in the book that Yahshua is the only mediator, but they got to have a co-mediator. They call her the co-mediatrix. Well, you can go to Mary, you know, and Mary was, uh, Mary had sin too, folks, just like we all did. And she was, she was not a, she was no more a mediator between Yahweh and us than the man in the moon. But we didn't know that. We just followed along. I wouldn't have known a co-mediatrix from the man in the moon before I came into this class because I learned more about the various religions out in the world like Roman Catholicism since I've come into this teaching. It's hard to be in this teaching and not learn yourself something. <laughs> Sit around and there's so many things that are being taught and said, you know, and it's it's an incredible thing that we're we're a part of this teaching. But uh, nevertheless, it's a, as I said, it's a, it's a wonderful endeavor to be a part of. And uh, as it says in the book somewhere about it, it's our vocation, you know. Now, if you'd asked me 50 years ago, or however many years it's been, uh, how would you like to be a priest, Bruce? How, how would that be for a vocation? <laughs> I, would, I would have said you need to have your head examined which I later went on to do myself. But nevertheless, that wouldn't have been it. But we just read about how we're, we're priests, folks. Not because we've been made priests by Yahweh, servants and priests. That wouldn't have been a vocation, though, that I would have asked for before I came into this teaching. But nevertheless, Yahweh's directing our steps, folks. And uh, all we want to do, I, I don't want to speak for anyone else. I'll just speak for myself is do his will and be happy with whatever his will is. I thought about that, that scripture that says all things, all things work to good to those that love Yahweh and to those that are the called. You know, and I got to thinking, geez, are you going to be upset after the election? that Democrats weren't voted in instead of, and I thought to myself, that's absolutely, it's a preposterous thought. Whatever Yahweh wants should be our attitude, folks. Whatever his will is, we need to submit to it and be happy with it and realize that, yes, all things do work to good. And whatever Yahweh has in store for us and for the creation and everything else, we should bow to it and be happy with it instead of resist, which I have known to do on, on occasion. 
but to want to do his will is a good thing. And um, I don't know. I, I really don't want to stay up here when I don't have a whole lot to say, even though I do have a lot to say, just not at this, not at this time. But um, I just want to encourage people to, to continue on in this fight. And it is a fight. And folks, we got someone that's doing our fighting for us that's fighting our battles for us because we cannot fight this fight uh, by ourselves. That's why we need a savior. We need to admit that we need help and we need to take the help when it's given. And uh, so I'll just, uh, just say I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, and I just hope that Yahweh continues to uh, magnify himself and to show himself to me and for me to, to see that the true ever presence of Yahweh, uh, um, nobody wants to be left behind. You know, we just uh, want to do his will, but you know, in order to do his will, you have to know it. And that's what one of the thing, one of the many things we're learning uh, or I'm learning, have been learning about since being in this teaching is to know what Yahweh's will is and how to please him. You know, prior to that, I never gave it a thought about pleasing my creator because he was so abstract to me. But since I've come into this teaching, he's been made more concrete in my, he has been made concrete in my understanding so i'm not praying to some mist to some some uh ghost like uh, apparition some uh abstract thing you know that's not uh, what we're a part of folks we have a very powerful yet simple uh understanding that we've been given and it's been been brought home how much closer can Yahweh be than in your heart and mind folks and that's where he's appearing and that's where we need to look for him from and we need all the courage that we can muster up to go inside into that closet like Frank was saying and go and and talk to Yahshua and and hope to hear back from him in us and this is just a, a few of the things I've been thinking of. I don't want to go off too far. I just want to say that this teaching and Yahshua mean a great deal to me. And I'm just hoping that he continues to strengthen me because, um, as I said, things are getting tougher. And we, uh, as much as the, the adversary is, is, is working, and we know he is, we have something, folks, that's much stronger than that negative uh, influence. We have that spirit of Yahshua, which has the ability to overcome and has already overcome it, the world. And Yahshua did say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we have, uh, we're laying hold on a great opportunity here in this teaching. And um, I'm grateful. I just asked uh, for the strength 
to continue on in this because uh, no one told us, at least as far as I know, since I've been in this teaching, no one has told us that this was going to be a, a bed of roses, you know, that this was going to be easy. But if you think about it, nothing worth anything, nothing, even though we can't work for this, nothing uh, is th that's worth anything um, doesn't come without some, <laughs> without a lot of resistance and a lot of, uh, oh, oh, how do I put it? Just a lot of uh, tough, it's not, it's not a thing where it's going to be uh, uh, all, no one told us it was going to be uh, easy. And, and uh, so I just want to say I'm grateful. I want to encourage you to keep, uh, keep going. And, uh, oh, yes, I'm keeping this phone. Thank you for reminding me. And I'll just uh, pass it on to the next person and say hallelujah. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Dr. Geller. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Deb Cometti from our Syracuse class. Hi, everybody. Um, I'd like to thank Bruce for his uh, comments and um, his explanation of his, or his testimony of uh, where he was at before he came into class. I guess that's what everybody's testimony would be. Uh, I'd like to go over to Colossians, the first chapter, please. And um, this is Paul, and this is Paul writing after his conversion. Uh, Paul was a very staunch uh, Jewish person that was very against Joshua and the, and the movement and the, uh, the way the Jews had uh, converted, Paul was very against all of it. He was actually taking, uh, he was giving orders to take people's lives. That's how committed he was against Yahshua. And then Yahshua himself met up with Paul and converted his soul. And that is, Bruce's testimony, and that's all of our testimony that have seen anything, um, that Yahshua had to knock us down and show us himself before we could actually embrace this gospel and what's going on. And that is what, um, that's what Bruce was, was telling us, you know, going from somebody that did not care whatsoever about religion and now it's his life and he's done a complete turnaround and that is all our testimony. Now, when Paul's writing to these Colossians, uh, if I could have somebody start in, um, let me see, we're gonna start in nine. Okay, Colossians one, you wanted the first chapter, Deb? Yes, please, one and nine. Okay, Colossians one and nine. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of Yahweh unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of Yahweh, 
Wow. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Okay, hang on a minute, Bruce. Now, this is what Paul's message is to these people in the assembly in Colossus, okay? And really, it is it was Bruce's message to us sitting here uh, tonight in the Zoom. He was talking about understanding the will of Yahshua and it was totally different from the will of Bruce and we went he went into this conversion and this is what Paul is admonishing and encouraging this assembly back there this is 60 AD okay but mm -hmm. he's saying that he's desiring that we would be filled with knowledge of his will and that's what Bruce was talking about and that's what the prayer was talking about is the will of Yahshua in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, you're just not getting that out in the world. You're getting wisdom, but it's a carnal wisdom. You can go to college, you can, you know, go further and you can um, get your PhD and you can get all kinds of wisdom in the sense of a knowledge of the carnal whether it's your you know a doctor a lawyer uh any any kind of thing but we're talking about the will of yashua for him to put wisdom and spiritual understanding in us and that's absolutely totally different if i can have the other reader please go over to galatians and that would be galatians the fifth chapter and I just want to give you a little bit of a um, descriptor on what we're talking about when that spirit of Yahshua comes into your heart and mind. And that's what Bruce was trying to explain a little bit. Paul's going to bring all those attributes and he's going to list them and he's going to make us think about the list. He's going to make us gather this information and think about it because we just didn't have this when we were out there carnally. And I think Bruce, you know, did a good job in explaining it just wasn't there. He just didn't care. And that's most of us, what we say is that we didn't care. Now, some people are different. Some people went to church every day and, and you know, totally different. But for a lot of us, and I, you know, my testimony would be along the lines of Bruce is, is that I just didn't care. I was just so busy carnally. I just yeah. didn't care. So now let's go, uh, we're going to say Galatians, and we're going to say 5 and uh, 22. We'll start with the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, you could go up and you could read the ugliness of the flesh, but the fruits of the Spirit are where we are now. And this is the wisdom and the spiritual understanding that Yahshua has given us. We're just going to get like a list or some kind of a, a description so we understand it a little more. Go ahead. Galatians uh, 5.22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, 
gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, against there is no law. Against such there is no law. And they that are Yahshua's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay, so do you see where he, you know, he's expanding on what Bruce was reading over there, that we've been filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Those are the kind of things that we have received, and they are gifts to us. Like Bruce said, you know, when he had his... Um, Oh, I forgot what he called it, but it was something that was like Christmas. And you're looking for gifts. Bar mitzvah. Of, what was it, Ruth? I'm sorry. Bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah. Okay. And it was like a Christmas. And, you know, when you get the gifts, some of them you don't like. Some of them don't fit. Some of them you're wrong color, wrong size. I already got one of those. There's a lot of problems when you get gifts after the flesh. Okay. Now, these gifts... This wisdom, this spiritual understanding, these gifts that the reader just read about, um, they fit perfectly and they are designed to be in your heart and in your mind so that you're going to walk worthy. The next verse in Colossians says that you walk worthy of Yahweh unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of Yahweh. Well, that's what you're fruitful in, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, gentleness. You're, that's one lacking out there in the world. Goodness, the faith, the faith of the operation. See, you've gone from some kind of blind faith, some kind of blind belief. You've gone into this powerhouse of faith. It absolutely runs your heart and your mind is the faith in Yahshua, the Messiah. So we don't worry like... Bruce was saying, we don't worry about the political world, the financial world, world you know, uh, the healthcare. We, we don't worry in the sense that we think it's all helter-skelter, that nobody can save us because we've already been saved. Now, this earth, guess what? This earth is Satan's domain, and he's running it. So you've got to see a contrast, but you can't lose your peace. You can't lose your faith. Okay, so Bruce, you keep reading. We're going to, okay. in Colossians, now we've had a little description. We've broken that down a little bit. Now we're going to keep reading about this, what's happening once we've increased in spiritual understanding. Go ahead. Okay, now I, I left off, Deb, at uh, 14. Okay, um, I want you to go back to 10, though. Okay. Uh, Colossians 1 and 10, that you might walk worthy of Yahweh unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of Yahweh. Okay, you can't do that if Yahshua is not in your heart and in your mind. And I'm not just saying that. There, there is scripture that shows you. Let me just see if I can come up with it. Okay, let's go over. Uh, Linda, if you can grab 1 Corinthians 2 and um, let me see, 13. You, you're not going to be able to do the things that Paul's describing over there, Bruce re is reading in Colossians. You're not going to be able to do that on your own. 
okay? And here's where Paul's talking to the Corinthians about it. And don't forget, Paul is being moved by the Holy Spirit. He is absolutely not talking from his own carnal understanding that he has as a Jew. Okay, so go ahead. First Corinthians 2.13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but with the Holy Spirit teacheth, comparing spirit. I'm sorry, Linda, I called it wrong. Start oh. in nine. Okay, nine. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that Yahweh hath prepared for them that love him. But Yahweh hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of Yahweh. See, now Yahweh's revealed them. Okay, they're, they're deep and they are unreachable to the carnal. Okay, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. So it's spirit to spirit. Go ahead. For what man knoweth the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of Yahweh knoweth no man but the spirit of Yahweh. So now are you catching it? That's exactly what Bruce was saying. That what does a man know but the spirit of the man? It's just carnal, carnal, carnal. But then... Even so, the things of Yahweh knows no man. So you're not going to reach this on your own. You're not going to be able to detect what's going on in the spirit just by yourself wanting it. Yahweh has to reveal it to you. Go ahead. Now we have, re now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of Yahweh, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of Yahweh. See, he had, re we have received those things and Paul's trying to make them understand how this thing has come from the Old Testament into the New Testament after the day of Pentecost. And it is strictly by revelation from Yahshua and he is giving Yahshua the credit right now. He's saying the things that Bruce was saying and he's talking about uh, 13. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teacheth, revealing spiritual things to spiritual persons. Now, see, you're going to tomorrow, if you tuned into uh, Joel Olson and, you know, any of the preachers tomorrow, what you're going to hear is man's wisdom. You're going to hear about how you can be a nicer person. You're going to hear about how you can be more satisfied in your life. You're going to hear about all these carnal promises because Joel has not had a revelation. He doesn't understand the spiritual things. So he's going to give you confidence in this life. And that's fine. But he's under this disguise of being a preacher of the word. And it's not what he is. Okay. So the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to teach you and comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And we've already read over there some of the things that you're going to be able to dip into when you've got the spirit and it's meekness, it's love, it's joy, it's kindness. And it's not for a minute. It's every single day, day in and day out. You got the, I can't help it. Go ahead, Linda. 14, but the net, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of Yahweh for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of Yahweh, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Yahshua. We have the mind of Yahshua. And guess what the mind of Yahshua is? Let thy will be done, Yahweh, not my will. And that's what we're talking about here. And that's what we're talking about when Bruce said, how would you like to be a priest? Well, I'm sure I would have said, uh-uh, that ain't me. That's, that's weird. I ain't no priest. I'm busy. See, but you, when you go over to the 61st chapter, and now when we understand of, of Isaiah, when we understand about that priesthood and what that priesthood involves now, we are a peculiar people. We are somebody that's in the world, but not of the world. We are the sons of Yahweh. And it is a pleasure. It is a divine gift that we, are, we find ourselves in this gospel. And it's already been said through the prayer. It's already been said through the first speaker that we are so joyous to be here because everything out there is going crazy. And, yeah. and we have something to hold on to. And it's very simple, you know, and we're not expecting uh, a rocket ship to come down and, and take us off to, you know, Mars and live there. We, in our hearts and in our souls, our minds, we are so confident and so comforted. We're just going to ride this thing out because we trust and we have faith in Yahshua. Okay. So now we have this mind of Yahshua and, you know, um, the Christians tried to, you know, outdo that when they had that uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, see, that's just their carnal mind trying to come up with something because they're so desolate. They're like a dried out desert. They don't have the faintest clue about what would Jesus do in the sense of, you know, trying to just follow what he did. You're not going to get up on no cross and get beat to death. They just don't know what to do. So they make things up that they think are nice or that they think people will notice that they're a good Christian. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being nice. But listen, it's not through spiritual understanding. Now, I want to just keep reading in Colossians because what, it's, what Paul's telling them is that we've come out of darkness. And that's what Bruce was saying. He came out of darkness and the darkness isn't a dark night or a dark room or, a, you know, anything like that. The darkness is that you don't know your creator, that you are a carnal mind. And I'm going to show you just how uh, sad it is to be a carnal mind. Linda, go over to Romans 8 and uh, I think it's 8 and 5. And this is Paul again. And Paul is pretty pretty powerful and the letters that he wrote to these people and the reason being is that he was so powerful as a, at, when he was a Jew he was killing them True. and now he's been converted and he has Yahshua in him and now he's going after this thing day and night being beaten being shipwrecked he's going after it yep. read yeah go ahead Linda okay Romans 8 and 5 for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against Yahweh, for it is not subject to the law of Yahweh, neither indeed can be. So do you see what, how big of a problem that is? So when Bruce is over there in Colossians, and he's reading about what Paul's saying, that we have this light in us, we have this power in us, we have this spiritual understanding, we have passed from that death of a carnal mind into life and peace of the spiritual mind see and it's only through the power of yashua to do that in each one of us individually so that's why we want to hear about this truth and we want to hear about this gospel the gospel is the good news that yashua came to save sinners so yashua came to take us out of darkness and bring us into light and what i want to um zero in on for a minute is it's talking about that he has this has happened we're sitting in this light now we're sitting in this kingdom now these are synonyms we're sitting in this life peace joy righteousness we're sitting in that now and that's what we're doing on these uh zoom lectures is trying to convey what we've seen and heard that somebody else might hear this good news and they could be joyful too. So now Bruce, go over to Colossians once again. Okay. Uh, Colossians 1 and 10, that you might walk worthy of Yahweh unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of Yahweh, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light. Okay, can Who I just interrupt for a minute? I just want to say this really quick. When he's saying strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, I want you to think about a story that's back in the prophets. Like we do use the law and the prophets because they are the map. They are the keys to get us to understand Yahshua's mission and to get us to understand what Paul and the rest of them were doing after Pentecost. But who comes to mind that was strengthened with all might according to his glorious power? It was Samson. Samson was ridiculously strong. But you know what? That wasn't for the glory of Samson. That was for the glory of Yahshua to show you an example of an attribute where somebody is ridiculously strong. He would kill hundreds. He would go, you know, through all kinds of battles and nobody could figure out what his strength was. Now, that was nothing about Samson. That's showing you Yahshua, the Messiah, putting power in a natural man. So when we come over here and we see strengthened with all might, look, I'm not going to become a bodybuilder. And most of us are, because that's not what he's talking about now. That was the shadow. That was the example. Now we understand what an incredible strength we have been given according to Yahshua's glorious power. Okay, pick that up again. Go ahead, bro. 11. Strengthened. Yeah with all might according to his glorious power yep. unto, 
all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light. See, who have, he's saying made us fit, made us meet. Guess what? We just weren't fit or we just weren't ready. We just weren't that one on our own. He made us just like with Paul. Paul's on the road to Damascus. Paul is raring to go and he's chasing down Yashuans. And Yashua knocks him down and up for three days, he's blind to make him ready to receive that gospel, to receive his sight like we've received our sight in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit in us. He has made us meet or fit. Go ahead, Bruce. 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Okay, hold up. Now here's another one for you. If you and I'm just going back quickly into the law and the prophets because they're important because like I said, they're the ones that are showing us Yahshua. They're the ones that are showing us how he operates. And they're saying that somebody's in darkness and that somebody's in light. And it takes you back to the children of Israel when they began to have, um, they were in Egypt and the, these plagues started being poured out. Now, when the plague of darkness was poured out, the children of Israel, they, in their little encampment in Egypt, they did not have the darkness. They were in light. They were surrounded by these Egyptians and the Egyptians were all in darkness. And it was so thick, you couldn't even see one little, you couldn't see one little pinprick of light. And here it is that the Israelites who are Yahweh's chosen at this time, this little group of people that are slaves, okay, they are chosen to be in light while everybody else is in darkness. And we're not talking about that now. We all have electricity. We all know the sun's gonna rise tomorrow. And we're not talking about physical darkness now. What we're talking about is that those are ways for you to understand contrast, dark and light. And you're happy when you find the light and you can turn it on so that you don't stub your toe when you're going in a dark room or whatnot. We're happy to have electricity or when the electricity goes out, we're happy to find a flashlight or a candle, right? Because we want to be able to see. And that's what Paul is saying that these gifts, this wisdom and spiritual understanding allows you to see because you've been delivered out of darkness. Start in 13 again. 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now we've been translated. Look, we did not even know how that could take place. He's the one that translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, okay? And the way this happens is that the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and comes into your mind. Now you have examples back in the law and the prophets 
you have example of people that are doing things they spoke as they were moved by the holy spirit but that was just for a time okay because that was temporary that old covenant was was not going to remain okay so now when the new covenant comes in now we are going to be the ones we're going to be speaking by the holy spirit moving us and that's what he's saying because why because we're translated into the kingdom we know the language we know what goes on in the kingdom we know who the king is we know the language so he's saying don't forget we were talking about in ninth verse all spiritual understanding so now we find ourselves in a spiritual kingdom but yet we're still here. We're still in the flesh. And that's where Satan will mess with you because you'll say, well, how can I have a toothache when I'm in the kingdom? How can this happen if I'm in the kingdom? Listen, we are in the kingdom now. And that's where I'm talking about where you have this power that you've been taken out of darkness. And these people that were back there, like the Moseses and the, um, uh, Jonah and, and all those different stories, they were to show you the power that Yahshua could demonstrate through the natural man to get these things out to us to understand the spiritual after the day of Pentecost. And those boys, those disciples, they certainly had a change of heart after the day of Pentecost when they saw things in a whole different way. And that's what he's Paul's saying, because Paul, he experienced it too. He's saying, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We cannot get there on our own. We cannot take a journey, our own spiritual path, our meditation, our Zen, our candles, none of that can we get there on our own. Now, uh, he, now why is this important? Read 14. 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible L, the firstborn of every creature. Now, here's the point about the sins. We mm -hmm. all had them. Every single one of us had something going on because we were carnal. It just goes the, with the package, okay? But we have this Redeemer. We have this Yahshua whose job it was to come and to save us from our sins. So we see that everybody was in the same boat. Everybody needed Yahshua, okay? And he is going to pick us up where we've fallen okay and he is going to redeem us the forgiveness of sins now when you see the high priest on the day of atonement when he's going up into that most holy place before yahweh elohim every single person in that camp and including the high priest has sins every single person it's impossible for them to be without sin Okay, except for Joshua, we're not talking about that. But anyway, he goes up into that most holy place and he's carrying blood from the sacrifice. 
and he's carrying the children of Israel and he's carrying the nations, the Gentiles, and he's bringing them all before Yahweh Elohim in hopes that there would be a sign of atonement, a sign that they were good for another year. And this happened on October 10th. Now we're not gonna do any of that from a natural standpoint anymore, but it's to get us to understand something. You did not carry yourself into that most holy place and ask for anything. You had to be carried in there because you didn't even have a dream or a hope of getting yourself into that most holy place by yourself. The children of Israel, they're sewn on the garment and there's a breastplate of stones and the, and the nations, which we are, the nations were sewn on the, on the hem of that high priest garment. So do you see how you didn't have a chance of getting yourself up into a most holy place on October 10th, it had to be the right day. You gotta be carrying blood and you gotta ask for yourself to be saved or for yourself to be atoned. It's just not gonna happen. And these are our examples. These are our witnesses to show us exactly how it's done. The high priest carried them up before Yahweh Elohim. And that's Yahshua the Messiah. Let me get a scripture that shows that. It's uh, Matthew, uh, it's either 11.27 or 27, 11.27. Um, it's really pretty because once you see that the, the same one that keeps the sun in the sky and the same one that, you know, keeps the seasons in order and the same one that keeps all the, um, the animals in check and you know the same one that keeps the harmony and all the beauty is the same one that's, that has our, our souls in mind, okay? So it is, it's a beautiful thing and not anything that you're gonna try to take the glory from, see? Moses didn't try to take the glory. And when people said to Moses, who do you think you are? Moses fell on his face like, oh my gosh, don't even go there and say, I'm anything. This is Yahweh Elohim's program. People said, who do you think you are? And we're, we're just as uh, much as you are and all this. He, he could not believe it. He flipped. Do not give me any of the credit. Go ahead and read that. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things are delivered unto me by my father, and no man knoweth the son but the father. Neither knoweth any man the father except the son, and he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. Now, do you see how pretty that is? Do you see how tight and compact that little thing is? That only Yahshua knows Yahweh Elohim, and only Yahweh Elohim knows Yahshua. And he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. That's us folks, because we've been given that spiritual understanding. Just like Pentecost happened on in June 6th, when the disciples got a revelation. And then seven years later, the Gentiles got a revelation. And Yahshua is still allowing his spirit to be placed in the hearts and minds of men and for them to know him as he really is and actually exists. See, so the way Yahshua, what did he do with Moses? He took Moses up into that mount and what did he do? He revealed the father 
unto Moses, right? Did he not take him up there and Yahshua transformed into Yahweh Elohim and showed Moses what was going on, showed him the tabernacle pattern, showed him the days of creation, showed him himself and how the thing was going. See, Moses didn't go up there by himself and figure that out. And Moses, that's why when he came down and he saw the children of Israel with a golden calf, he, he threw that, um, those stones down. He was so mad because what he had seen was so awesome. And to, for you to be, you know, dib dabbling around with a, a golden calf, it was just too much. But he was meant to throw those stones down because the second set are going to be placed into that tabernacle. And it's signifying or it's an example to show us that law the second time was going to be put into the hearts and minds of us. So that's what we're talking about. And that's where the, the scripture is saying that that spirit of Yahweh, can you start reading that in 61 for a minute, Linda? Isaiah. Got it. Isaiah 61, one. <clears throat> the spirit of Yahweh Elohim is upon me. Because Yahweh hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Yahweh has anointed me. Yahweh has selected me. Now, this is talking about Yahshua, but we can still see the principle that you don't decide one day, I think I'll be a preacher for my occupation because that's pretty good money and it's not that hard. You just have to get up there on Sunday and say a couple words. See? Yahweh has anointed me. He anointed Yahshua and he is doing the same thing with us to preach the good tidings of this gospel unto the meek. Go ahead. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our Elohim to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto those who mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, that he might be glorified. The planting of Yahweh, that he might be glorified. And that's what this gospel does in your heart and in your mind it glorifies yashua you know yourself no matter how you tried no matter if you tried or you didn't try you know you didn't get here on your own i just showed you okay thank you i got that i just showed you how that the high priest had to take everybody into carry them in carry them into the most holy place you cannot get there by yourself and you know what the witness to that is when um those um whose sons it's aaron's sons and it's uh is it nadab and abayu bruce uh aaron's yes aaron, yes okay the aaron's sons they try to mess around and they try to go up into that most holy place and they are not authorized to go up there and guess what they are struck down dead. And you know something, what's even more, more intense? Aaron couldn't go in there himself and get them out of there. They had to be pulled out of there with flesh hooks. So I'm just saying, this thing is powerful. This thing is true. And this thing matters. 
So you don't just think, oh, I can figure that out. Watch me listen to the speakers and I'll do more than they can with the, with the book. I'll remember more scriptures they ever thought of. It doesn't matter. It's what's in your heart and your mind. And the true ones, uh, let's end uh, with uh, Isaiah 57. We're right in the neighborhood there. Isaiah 57 and 15. Isaiah 57 and 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now, do you see that? Now, see, that is the effect that this Holy Spirit has on our hearts and in our minds, that we are contrite and that we are humble before Yahshua. And when that says his high and holy name, see, that's why, what difference does a, a name make? See, if you look in the Bible and you start really looking at some of the scriptures, you are definitely going to see what difference a name makes because it is the difference and the power between light and darkness and the power between life and death is to know that name of Yahshua. He is your savior. And I will turn it back to the moderator. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Kometi. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the Dean of our Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. <laughs> I want to say good evening to everyone. I want to do a sound check. You can hear me okay? Yeah, very well. I want to thank everybody for attending our class tonight, both on Zoom and on YouTube. And I want to try to continue with the wonderful testimonies that you just heard from the first two speakers. Very inspiring. There were so many good points that you could work off of. And what I would like to do is just try to take a couple of things and see if we can develop them uh, so I can make a point myself here before this class is over. Now, what I want you to see is the, the operation of the purpose of Yahweh and what it illustrates. Now, what I'm going to have you do is, and I'm going to work into our scripture reading tonight, but I want to start by laying some foundation. I want to go to the 15th chapter of Genesis and start at 1. Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of Yahweh came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. Now, right here, Yahweh has got Abraham, who he brought, or Abram at this point, who he brought out of the land of Ur, and brought him to this land that we call modern-day Israel, which is Canaan's land back then. And he's going to give him this land for an inheritance. Now, watch. Keep reading. And Abraham, and Abram said, Yahweh Elohim, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Now, he said that he went childless. In other words, he did not have a son to pass this inheritance down to. 
Now, watch how Yahweh Elohim responds to this. Go ahead and read. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of Yahweh came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that come forth out of thine own loins shall be thine heir. Now he's telling him he's going to have offspring. He's going to have a son in due time. Now we all know the story, and I just want to uh, uh, express it for those that might not be familiar with what's back there in Genesis in this regard. But we know that he had a son by the handmaiden of Sarah, which was Hagar, who was an Egyptian. And he, she bore him a son, and Sarah told him to have a son by her so that he could have somebody to give this inheritance to her to be a son of his. And what ended up happening is that Yahshua came to him with two angels when he was going to send these two angels down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and deliver Lot. And he told him that this time next year, this is when they're well old, stricken in age, beyond the ability to bring forth offspring. And he said, this time next year will Sarah have a son. Now Sarah was sitting there, she heard this, and she laughed within herself thinking, oh yeah, I'm, a, I'm an old person now, an old lady, how am I going to have a son? So Yahshua, knowing her thoughts, said to her, did you laugh? She said, oh, no, 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 I did. He says, yes, but you did. You will have a son at this time next year. Now, we know that that son came a year later, and she named him Isaac, son of my laughter. Now, what I want to point out here is we also know that that son Isaac, which was second born, was going to receive the inheritance ultimately from Abraham. But that son also was a son after a promise. There was a promise made there that he would give her that son, being barren for all of her childbearing years. She was barren, and yet Yahshua said, this will be the son of a promise, after a promise. Now, what I want you to see, this is, allegor this is allegorical to the purpose of Yahweh. In this case, Abraham represents Yahshua or Yahweh, which are one and the same. And what he did is he gave him a commandment. I'm talking about Yahweh gave the commandment to Elohim to be fruitful and multiply and to bring forth children. Now, what I want you to know is that from Adam, let me go over here and get the, uh, I might as well try to get this uh, uh, elementary chart, not the elementary chart, but the chronology chart up. And let me go down here just for a minute. Let me try to blow this up here. You're going to have to excuse me because I'm running the charts tonight. And that didn't do any good. All right, let's try the next one. Oh, boy. Uh, have patience with me, folks. I'm still learning how to use this, uh, this um, uh, PowerPoint presentation. And I want to blow this up so that we can make a point here. All right, I got to go up a little bit more. All right. Now, what we see here is from the first age, the creative and angelic age, the angels are also the son of Yahshua, just as Abraham, I mean, excuse me, Adam was the son of Yahshua. Now, what we find out is for these first three ages, not one soul, angelic or 
mankind was able to be born again after the Spirit. They were born after the fact that they were created, and of course we know that Adam was created from the dust of the ground. And they were children of Yahweh, or children of Yahweh Elohim here. But not one of them was fruitful in the sense that they would be acceptable unto Yahweh for the fulfillment of the commandment that was given to be fruitful and multiply. Because none of them, either angel or man, had the Holy Spirit down in these first three ages. Now, what we have to go back to also and lay this little point in, the purpose has always been that Yahweh wanted to bring forth offspring or creatures that he would make himself known to his offspring or his creatures. And therefore, what I want you to see is that the only thing that's acceptable to Yahweh for offspring to receive the inheritance is to be a, as it were, a copy. I, I say copy, but I'll use it like this. When you are born, you are a DNA copy of your parents. And what Yahweh wanted was for those offspring to bear the resemblance of Yahshua the Messiah. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the physical form of Yahshua. But I'm talking about the inside of that, that vessel that we call Yahshua or Yahweh Elohim. And that is to have the divine nature in them, which is a compilation of the attributes proportioned to reflect and be able to demonstrate what Yahweh is in pure spirit. So what we know is that when Yahshua was baptized by John, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my, begot, my uh, beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. In other words, Yahweh was well pleased in Yahshua. And listen, he also proclaimed that he is the only begotten of the Father. Now what I want you to realize is that Yahshua was the only soul that was ever acceptable to Yahweh. He was the only soul that pleased Yahweh. He was the only soul that was righteous. And furthermore, he was the only soul that was truly holy. Now, it was brought up here about them uh, bellyaching about, uh, to Moses. Well, aren't we, you know, they, they said to him, aren't we all holy? And this is, they were upset because uh, uh, Moses uh, 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 made his brother Aaron to be the high priest, not knowing that he was instructed to take and make Aaron the high priest by the holy, or by Yahweh Elohim. Now, what I want you to know is when they said, are we not holy, the answer is, aren't we all holy? The answer is no. There were none holy except Yahweh Elohim or Yahshua. Now, what I want you to know is this, that when the Messiah came in, and he came in at the time that he did, after those three ages, and what he's going to do is he's going to usher in a new age. We know that, but he's got to accomplish He's actually coming in at the end of the post-Diluvian age. And what he's got to do is he has to accomplish one thing. Go over to, hold your finger in, 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 in uh, Genesis, and go over to Matthew, the third chapter. And I want you to pick up when Yahshua comes to John to be baptized. Okay. Matthew. I, I, I want to say 313, but it could be even a little yeah, bit above be. that. 
All right. Matthew 3.13 is right, Tom. Then cometh Yahshua from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But mm-hmm. John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Yahshua answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. Who is the us? What he says, it, it becometh us to fulfill, he said, all righteousness. Now we also know that fulfill means to complete or to finish. Now, both of those de- uh, definitions are going to work in the principle I'm going to get across to you. First thing Yahshua had to do was finish the righteousness that they thought they could have from keeping the law of Moses. He had to fulfill that law and move it out of the way because there were none righteous, no, not one. Then he is going to complete true righteousness, which is his own divine nature. Now, when he said it becometh us to fulfill our righteousness, he's not talking to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was born full of the Holy Spirit. And he's conversing with the Holy Spirit that is also in John, which also would leave John and come right into Yahshua so that he received a double portion. And that is a fulfillment of what's back there in the scriptures, but I'm not going to work with that tonight because uh, we don't have enough time, obviously. So what I want you to see is that Yahshua, when he began his ministry, He was the full embodiment of righteousness. There was none righteous, no, not one person that could claim that they were righteous. Because Yahweh would not accept a sacrifice for the atonement for the souls of men that was anything short of being righteous in all things. And that was Yahshua, the only one that was able to do that. Now, having said that, the Messiah came in to end one thing, and to usher in something else. Now, he ends the righteousness of works under the law, and he's going to bring in the righteousness which is of faith and grace, which will be opened up in the next age that he's about to open up. Now, every soul from the first age down through the post-Diluvian age were barren. None of us had the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how could you say the angels didn't have the Holy Spirit? Well, let's put it like this. The scripture says that the angels desired to look into the things that were uh, uh, prophesied about by the Holy Spirit. They themselves did not know the purpose of Yahweh. And Dr. Kinley said you have to know the purpose of Yahweh in order to be saved. Now, nobody knew the purpose from the first age all the way down through those first three ages, antediluvian and post-diluvian. Now, What I want you to understand is this. When the Messiah is approached by uh, Nicodemus, and Nicodemus comes to him and says, we know you're a teacher that cometh from Elohim, for nobody can do these miracles unless Elohim be with him. Yahshua said, you have to be born again of spirit and of water. Now, the Christianity interprets that, that you have to be water baptized when you're born. And, of course, they take in the Catholic Church uh, newborn babies and pour water over their heads in a ceremonial gesture, claiming that they're fulfilling what the will of Yahshua was when this 
uh, was given back there with, at, at the baptism with John, not knowing that when Yahshua told Nicodemus, you have to be born of water and of spirit, we know the water that he was talking about was the same water he was talking about with the woman at the well when he said to her, if you knew who it was that speaketh unto you, you would ask me for living water. And she didn't have a clue what this living water was. But what's, it, what, what's interesting in that statement, he said, if you knew who it was that speaketh to you. Now, it would take the knowledge of who you were standing in the presence of for you to desire this living water that he's talking about. Now, what I want you to understand about that is this, that it takes the foolishness of preaching the gospel of salvation and, the, and, and preaching the purpose of Yahweh under the direct influence of the Holy Spirit for a person to be born again. That's just the way it's got to work. And listen, this being born again idea uh, threw Nicodemus for a, for a loop. He said, well, am I going to crawl back into my mother's womb? And Yahshua said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, Dr. Kinley used to say it like this. He used to say that you that to be born again you is the same process by which you're born from beneath. Now, from beneath, you're born, there's an ovum, and there is testes involved. The testes produce the sperm or the seed. Now, what happens is that ovum has to be impregnated with those sperm, which represent the testes. The testes means witnesses, witness. It takes witnesses to impregnate an ovum. And in this case, an ovum represents your soul. Now, what I'm trying to get you to see here is that that this, uh, these creatures that Yahshua had created, both in the angelic and physical, were not yet able to bear offspring until Yahshua came in and poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, when he did that, that caused them to be no longer barren and able to have children, or that is to say, to be, uh, to be travailing in birth to be delivered. That is to say, to have Yahshua formed in you. Now, what I want you to see is this, that Sarah back there, also Yahweh held her off, or that is to say, did not allow her to have offspring because she was being used back there to demonstrate and be a manifestation of how the purpose works. That when it was impossible for her to bear offspring, that's when Yahshua promised her a child. And when it was impossible for someone that was within sin to receive righteousness, Yahshua promised that he would come in and that he would redeem us and save us. Now, we are, we are the result of a promise, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about spiritually. And what I want you to know is that when he did that with Sarah, that offspring that would be come, as it were, the lineage of Yahshua the Messiah is going to come down through Sarah and Isaac and then eventually Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And we also know down through the tribe of Judah, if you want to take it even further. Now, what I want to try to get across to you is this. That Yahweh, everything he does back in the Law and the Prophets, is a physical manifestation, demonstration of the operation of his purpose. And you would never be able to figure these things out without the Holy Spirit preaching these things and putting the story together for you. 
We take what's in your Bible, what you've learned, and we put it together. And we create, by the uh, putting together this information in a particular narrative, we create an a, a image of our Creator and how He actually is and truthfully exists in the Spirit. Now, we now, after Pentecost, are those that have been born again. Now, what I want to do is show you, though, what happened before they uh, this happened where they were born again. I want to go back over to Genesis, the 15th chapter. And in this case, I want to cut down because we don't have time to read the whole chapter. I want you to go down after Yahweh promised him that he would give him somebody born in his own household. Just as somebody born right from Yahshua the Messiah would be those that would be the children of promise. Now, what I want you to uh, go down to is, uh, let's see here. I want you to go down to 12 and start reading at 12. 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now, let me take that, let me take that right back there uh, and show you what happened uh, from the Garden of Eden. Now, when Adam was put in that Garden of Eden, we know that after he partook of the fruit, he was sent forth out of the garden during the cool of the day, meaning that he, the son of Elohim, and the sun in the sky, both suns came down together, which means that darkness now would enter into the purpose of Yahweh. That means that there would be ignorance, there would be no knowledge, no consciousness, no realization of Yahweh as he actually is and truthfully exists. And that darkness went from that point of Adam all the way down to the time of the Messiah who came in and said, I'm the light of the world that lighteth every man's heart. And when he resurrects from that tomb, a quickening spirit, he resurrected right at the crack of dawn, which means that both sons came up together. Just as both sons went down together, both sons came up together. So what we see is that he's ending night. He's ending the darkness. He's entering, ending the ignorance that existed in all of his creatures. And he's going to bring forth that glorious light to shine in them. Now that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. He turned the lights on, ladies and gentlemen. And those things that he had spoken unto him, his words were illuminated in their hearts and minds. And they were able to go out and preach and prophesize of the things of the Spirit that the first covenant was only demonstrating in type shadows and allegories. Now, keep reading where you were. I want to get to a point. 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a sojourner in a land that is not theirs. Now, I want you to know that every one of us that are in this gospel, that have received this teaching, are the children of Yahweh that he had foreordained unto eternal life and unto an inheritance through Yahshua the Messiah. Now, what I want you to also understand is just what she just read. Read that one more time where you just read, Linda, please. Know of the surety that thy seed shall be a sojourner in a land. That's that what I wanted. Now, when you were, now all souls are mine. That's what uh, Yahweh Elohim says in Ezekiel. And what I want you to know is that all souls were contained in him from the beginning. And those souls that came forth out of him and were put into these vessels, that he has been given instructions to, that he could save as many as the Father gave him. Not all of them are going to be saved. Now what I want you to know is that those souls that came forth from him 
are sojourners in a land that is not theirs. So when we were born into this physical creation, we were not awake to the realization that this is not our true home. This is where we did not really come from the uh, fleshly things that we, that we, we, we say that make us up from a natural standpoint because the soul is not physical. It is spirit, ladies and gentlemen. It's made from spirit. It's formed from spirit, but we have no recollection, no knowledge or understanding of where we originated when we walk in this door. Now, this gospel will wake you up. It will cause you to become conscious how that you are a son of Yahweh in Yahshua, foreordained by a promise unto an inheritance in him. Now, here, Paul talks about, uh, not Paul, uh, Abraham. Read that last one again. One more time, please, Linda. No, They were sojourners, right? Yeah. Now, a sojourner is one that wanders through a land that is not theirs. Every one of us that see this teaching you long to be come up out of this physical creation and go home, as we say. That is to say, to be back in that spiritual realm with Yahshua the Messiah that we came forth out of. Now, I got to go over and get the tabernacle just to show this illustration here. And I got to find it on here. So just give me one second. And I'm sorry for my uh, incompetence here with these charts of where they are. I'm looking for the tabernacle pattern. Let's see if I can find that here. Uh, I'm looking, looking. Wow. I'm having a hard time finding the tabernacle pattern. That's something. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to say this, but I can't find the tabernacle pattern in here. Uh, so that, that just should... Oh, here, I'll just take this one and use it. Now, here's how the purpose works. We've got three compartments in this tabernacle. The most holy place, holy place, and court roundabout. Now, everything starts in the most holy place. It originates there. And your journey is going to be a round trip. We all were brought forth from Yahweh, and we all have to go back to that spirit of Yahweh. Now, as the priest is coming out of this holy place here, most holy place, he is going through veils till he comes down into the court roundabout. So what I want you to see is that when Yahweh took on shape and form as Yahshua, or Yahweh Elohim, he divested himself of the glory that he had in the state of pure spirit. Dr. Kinley used to say that when he took on that shape and form, uh, which is a, a lesser uh, uh, aspect of himself, he, that was a crucifixion. Now Yahweh Elohim was glorified in the Father right from the beginning. Now what happened is when Yahweh Elohim starts to operate in both the angelic physics, he has to divest himself of that glory. If he did not divest himself of the glory of that superincorporeal body, the devil would have had no chance in deceiving any of the angels. Because just as they said in the flesh, had we known who he was, if they had they known who he was, they would have never crucified him. If the angels saw Elohim in all of his glory, which Satan can't begin to uh, uh, be uh, uh, as beautiful and as, and as uh, glorious as that, they would never have listened to him. 
So he has to take off that glory and operate as an incorporeal angel. And then when he comes down in the flesh, he takes off that incorporeal angel form and operates in a physical body. So as he's coming down the pattern, he is divesting himself of glory as he comes through these veils. Now at the bottom, what he's going to do is he's going to make a round trip. He's going to return. And as he returns, he's going to go back into the holy place and put on the garments of beauty and glory. He's going to go up into the most holy place and make the atonement for us. And then that uh, Yahweh Elohim is going to, uh, Yahweh is going to glorify Elohim with the glory that he had with them in the beginning. Just as he says in John 17. Now we are being part, we're an integral part of this, this migration. Because we came forth out of him, and Dr. Kinley used to say it like this, and I'm not, I'm to, so I, I can't find all these charts. I'm just going to say it to you, and you can envision it. That when Adam was told to have children before Eve was taken out of him, there was no way for him to fulfill that commandment. And Yahweh Elohim traded the animals in front of him, and he named all the animals. And it says in Genesis, and, yet, and there was still not a helpmeet worthy or able to help to make uh, that he could use to fulfill the commandment of being fruitful and multiply. So he had to take the woman out of him, came from his own body. That woman was his bride. That woman, ladies and gentlemen, came from his bosom, which is the area where your ribs and your heart are. Now, what I want you to know is when that woman came out of him, something strikingly uh, 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 that is noteworthy uh, happened with that woman. And that is this. While Dr. Killing used to say, while the woman was within the man Adam, she was safe and protected. But once she was taken out, she was prey to the devil. He said, and to fix that, we got to get the woman back in the man. Now, this is all an allegory because we are the bride of Yahshua. We are the souls that came out. And when we came out, ladies and gentlemen, we were devoid of being complete yet. We came out with a soul that had not yet received the seed of, of uh, able to cause us to be born again, which means the knowledge and understanding by the foolishness of preaching. So we were like an ovum, only uh, uh, half the amount of chromosomes that were necessary to form a body. Now, what the sperm does when it enters into the ovum, it supplies the rest of the uh, uh, manual. I'll say this, this construction manual. And that DNA starts to do its thing where it starts creating tissue that becomes a brain and a heart and kidneys and everything else. And the child is being formed. Now, we came out. We were not complete in him then. We were missing something. And so when the Messiah comes in and he's ready to impregnate our souls with his words, by the way, which are spiritual seed, those words would supply us with knowledge and understanding that would cause us to come to understand and know the divine nature. That is going to cause an impact within us. Now, what I want you to know is just like the woman was prey to the devil because she now is out of him, because we're out of Yahshua, we also were prey to the devil. Now, just as Yahweh showed Abraham 15th chapter of Genesis again here with a, with a dream, I want you to go back to where you were. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rushing through this because of the, the time element, but I hope you're catching this. Go ahead and, and, and read there in, in, in uh, Genesis, the 15th chapter. Starting at 1 again? No, where you were. Where we read oh, okay. at, at uh, 12, I think, is where we started uh, uh, when the sun was going down. 
Read that, 12. 15, okay, 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now that sleep, ladies and gentlemen, is what mankind was in all the way down through those ages, and all creatures were. We were asleep to the reality of Yahweh. We had to be wakened from that. And that's a, When you're awakened, that's a resurrection, by the way. Uh, keep reading, because I don't have time to go into all this. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a sojourner in a land that is not theirs. Now, we're a sojourner now operating through this physical creation in our lives. This isn't our real land. Our real land is to be put back in Yahshua. Yahshua is the, is the land of, that Canaan is a type and a shadow of. The real promised land is not Canaan's land. That's a figure. The real land is you dwelling in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah. Now, keep reading. Uh, Thy seed shall be a sojourner in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Now, Yahweh had already let Abraham know that his purpose would work this way, that those souls, those seed that would be birthed from him, were going to go into captivity. And they had to come down from Canaan's land through the wilderness into Egypt to buy food. Now, Egypt represents what we call the natural creation, where the most holy place is figurative of Yahweh in pure spirit, holy place the angelic or incorporeal. We've got the court roundabout, which is a figurative of the physical creation. Now, Yahweh sent those promised children to Abraham that were inherit had a promise of an inheritance into captivity to Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh was Lucifer incarnated in a body that Moses stood before and told them, uh, told him to let the people go that they might serve Yahweh. And Yahweh was delivering them from the power of the dragon, which was Pharaoh. And he was delivering them from the power of Satan. And we know that the plague that preceded the death of the firstborn was the plague of darkness. They have to be delivered ladies and gentlemen, only by Yahshua. He's the only one that could deliver you from the hand of Pharaoh or the hand of the, of the mystery of iniquity. And therefore, all of us that were in him, that were foreordained to receive this inheritance, first had to come out of Yahshua, come down into this physical creation as sojourners, and be put in captivity to the devil. Every one of us, whether we're conscious of it or aware of it, were captive to the mystery of iniquity according to the purpose of Yahweh. And just as the uh, 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 Israelites, the Hebrews, were captive to the Egyptians, just because they lived in the land of Egypt were captives, did not make them to be the Egyptians. Just because you're in captivity to the mystery of iniquity, or Lucifer or Satan, doesn't make you to be satanic. Now what I want you to know, when the time was right, he sent a deliverer, and we know that. He sends Moses down there, and we know Yahshua the son of Nun was down there as well, who at that time was called Oshia. Now, what I want you to see is that just as Yahweh had a plan to deliver them all from captivity of darkness and the mystery of iniquity, through the hand of Yahweh, by his own, if you will, uh, operation of his purpose, we would be delivered from that, and brought out of the out of the court roundabout into the holy place. And every one of us have been led down here by the Spirit 
And every one of us walked in, and Dr. Kinley said this. He said, when you come in here for your first time, you come in with a carnal mind, a physical body, and a satanic spirit. He did not say you were a satanic spirit. He said you come in with a satanic spirit. Now, we're not conscious of any of this, so we don't know anything about coming in with a satanic spirit. But what I want you to know is by the foolishness of preaching, you are going to be liberated from that satanic spirit. And you are going to be made free. Now watch. I want you to go back over, because I'm looking at the clock, to our scripture reading, which was Isaiah 61. Right. And start at 1. Okay. Isaiah 61 and 1. The spirit of Yahweh Elohim is upon me, because Yahweh hath anointed me to preach good tidings. Now this is a the prophecy about Yahshua the Messiah. Right. Just, as, just as Isaiah 53 is, this is a prophecy about Yahshua. Yahshua was the anointed one. The word Messiah means anointed. And when Yahshua came to John to be baptized, and the spirit descended upon him that, they, that John saw in that vision, he was witnessing to the anointing of the new high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He was being anointed because the high priest could not administer in the tabernacle. He has to first be washed in the laver by a Levite. Then he is anointed with holy anointing oil. Therefore, Yahshua has to come to John be baptized in that water of the Jordan River, and then be anointed with the Holy Spirit to begin his ministry. Now, that, that this prophecy is talking about Yahshua being anointed. This is the beginning of his ministry. Go ahead and read. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, he sent Yahshua to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, remember back there under the law when Yahweh threw those, uh, uh, Moses threw those tables of stone down that were in the shape of a heart. That first generation, the firstborn, is brokenhearted. When Yahshua comes in, we've all come in. We are all firstborn as, uh, 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 after the flesh. We are firstborn from Adam. Therefore, we are the ones that are brokenhearted. But what he's going to do is bind up the brokenhearted, which means he's going to put our heart back together. He's going to cause us, ladies and gentlemen, to have a new heart. And that heart has to be put back together only by Yahshua. He's the only one that can do it. This anointing that we're reading about in Isaiah, ladies and gentlemen, is only unto Yahshua. It's not unto John the Baptist. It's not unto Moses. It's not unto Isaiah, Jeremiah, or any of the rest. He's the only one that can bind up the brokenhearted. To do what? Read. To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. We're the captives. Great. We have been in bondage to ignorance, darkness, believing things that there's no uh, uh, evidence to support, accepting things because we didn't know any better, and to be full of condemnation because we know we violated our conscience. And what I want you to see is he's going to bind that up and proclaim liberty. He's going to free us from us having to work up our own righteousness and our own forgiveness in the sight of God, as they would say, so that you know you can you can then be holy is what they think that is. That's not how it works. What he's going to do is show that we have no hope of ever 
being acceptable of ourselves in of ourselves. And that's why Yahshua said, you can do nothing of yourselves without me. Nothing. Not some things. You can't do nothing without him. So Yahshua has to come into each and every one of our hearts as a gift by faith and by, gra by grace, I mean. And that grace that he's given us means we didn't deserve his spirit. We didn't deserve to be called uh, uh, unto him. We didn't deserve to have these things opened up to our heart and mind. That is the grace, ladies and gentlemen, that you have been called according to the purpose, that you've been brought down here and here, come right in the door with a carnal mind that's a dead mind, as you read in Romans 8, with a physical body and a satanic spirit ruling in our, in our members. And then this gospel is preached and it causes the light to shine for the first time and a change takes place down in the core of your soul. Just as at, 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 at conception, the changes are at first incremental. When you first come in, the changes are taking place incrementally. But as they compile, more and more shape and form of that baby has taken place in the womb, and in you, more and more of the shape and form of Yahshua that we bear is showing up in each and every one of us, and we travail in pain to be delivered. You understand? It's Yahshua doing the whole thing. The baby doesn't form itself. It doesn't crawl out of that womb. It has to be delivered. That means it takes something to bring them out of that state, bring them out of that womb. And we have to be delivered from the power of darkness. We have to have a new heart uh, and the old heart removed, that is to say that hard heart, and have that new heart emerge. And he's the one that's doing it. You can't help him with it, and you can't do anything to deserve it. You can't get it on your own. Because he has been anointed to preach glad tidings, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison that them that are bound. We were bound and we were prisoners of the devil, ladies and gentlemen. And we were bound in that because we were ignorant, because we were in darkness. Read, uh, read two, please. To proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our Elohim to comfort all that mourn. And that's what he's doing. He's comforting us. And just as uh, Deb had that read, that he is nigh unto them who are of a humble and contrite spirit. He dwells with them in that state, that high and lofty state. And he's nigh unto us. And he's comforting us that have mourned, that are mourning. And he has promised us and given us the earnest of the spirit which is them bringing back the fruit of Canaan's land back there in the wilderness in the type and in the shadow and giving them uh, ability to taste the goodness of what's all lying up in that land. We have tasted of the things of the Spirit. And once you acquire a taste for that, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going back to McDonald's. You understand that? You're not going back to eating at Taco Bell. And once you've tasted this stuff, you're not going back to church. You're not going back to these doctrines that are that are full of darkness, that do nothing for your soul. You are now, as it were, a servant of Yahshua the Messiah, serving him because he has liberated us to be his offspring and to bear his own resemblance and reflection. I hope what I said made some sense. I'm sorry that I threw out so much and rushed it. I hope you get something out of it. I thank you. I'll turn it back to the moderators. Peace and love to all the brethren.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today in our Zoom class. And we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. Just a quick reminder to everybody to fall back tonight before you go to bed, set your clocks back one hour. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah.